Welcome to another story podcast from The Raven Narratives. I'm Sarah Severson. And I'm Tom Yoder. We are the co-producers of The Raven Narratives. The story you're about to hear was told by Jenny Mason at our live storytelling event at the end of March, when our theme for the night was Second Chances. Jenny is a story hunter who explores foreign countries, canyon mazes, and burial crypts. When she's not writing dynamic books for young readers, she helps local businesses and nonprofits reach the wider community through meaningful storytelling. Before Jenny settled in the gingerbread cliffs around Durango, Colorado, she lived on the breadcrumb shores in Ireland. Here's Jenny's story. Is magic real? Or is it a trick of the mind, a flip of your perception? I encountered this riddle recently on a hike. It was actually back in December, um, back when it was still summer um, every day. It was dry and hot. um, And there was no snow, at least from here to Switzerland. But I was really hungry for a wintry walk. So I found a deep canyon full of blue shadows and air as stiff as metal on my face. And there was some snow left over from a week's old storm. It formed a sort of thick rind, a mutton fat on the canyon's sinewy muscles. I was alone on this hike. I was still getting used to being alone, so I pretended the birds were my companions, chattering along. The flickers yipped like musical coyotes. The robins had a way of pitching their notes down the ravine, tumbling them. I was a couple hours into my hike when I noticed something up ahead on this rubbly slope. It looked like a leaf or a flake of tree bark, maybe. But it was jumping. I thought, well, that must be the wind. Well, there wasn't any wind. So then I thought, well, that must be magic. Now, I admit, I was out of practice from seeing magic. I used to see it all the time. But the summer, the Animus River turned toxic mustard yellow. I stopped seeing magic or magic stopped existing, I'm not sure which. But nonetheless, here in this canyon, there was this little flake leaping and jumping and tumbling of its own will, doing everything it could to not touch that snow. And then eventually it just sort of toppled over and it stopped moving. So I hurried over to see what this was. And I found a butterfly with its wings pressed shut like a clamshell. And these wings were splotched with gray, all shades of gray, from mouse to moth. And the edges were jagged and chipped, like the ears on an old fighting tomcat. I tipped it onto my glove. I felt so sorry that it had frozen to death. I felt deeply for it because Its world wasn't supposed to be like this. December is no place for a butterfly, no time for a butterfly. This creature had been tricked. And I knew what that was, to be tricked 
to have your life be what it's not supposed to be. The summer the river soured, my life upended. I was supposed to marry my best friend. But there would be no wedding. There would never be a time again when we would call one place a home. And I wish I could tell you why. I wish I could tell you what happened, how it all went so wrong so fast, how five years went down the drain. But it's like a math problem I can't solve, and I've never been good with math, with those real and imaginary numbers the way one and one can equal two, or one and one can equal one. But then if one of the ones gets involved with another one, then all the numbers destabilize, and you're left with numbers that subtract, and then you have divisions, and then you have remainders. The remains of that butterfly were moving on my glove. That butterfly was pulling itself upright. It wasn't dead. I was so elated. I domed my hands over it. I puffed warm air to it. I thought, this is my chance to wrong a right. This is my chance to make the unjust world a little more just. I had to keep that butterfly alive. Somehow, I had to get it out of that cold, icy canyon. But the only sun was way up above at the top. Now to say I climbed out of this canyon, cupping a butterfly in my hands, is a stretch of the word climb. But what I lacked in grace on my knees and elbows, I made up for in determination. And I reached a pinnacle in the sun and I held the butterfly aloft and I let it sit there and charge like a little solar panel and the sun was blistering, the air was citrused with pine and the scent of moist grass and I was sweating, caked in all these wintry layers and I had no way to peel them off without disturbing this little creature coming back to life, regaining strength. So I stood there and I sweated. And that's when the butterfly opened those gray wings and I got another dose of magic. Because on those wings, I saw a galactic rainbow. There were lavender moon dots. There were red, dusty planets. There were yellow and orange solar storms. There were green and blue aurora borealis. Stars were being born on these wings. I know it sounds unbelievable, but it's true. And it's equally true that the love my friend and I shared was just as beautiful, just as magical, and just as cosmic as those wings. People doubt this when I tell them. They don't believe it because of the way it ended because it didn't last forever. But I assure you, we treasured each other 
We were so compatible. We had so much fun. We were so kind to one another. We took turns killing the house spiders. And we knew magic. When I took him to meet my family, we wound up playing tag on a dragon's back. When we went to Ireland for graduate school, we wound up flying hawks and charging on horseback through fog banks to chase ancient monsters. And when we moved to Colorado, we learned to speak magpie so that we could hear their bedtime stories at sunset. And every day, we took a walk or a hike just to hear the hawks sing. Because the sound they make, it's like the sky splitting open in a moment of ecstasy. The hawks above me and the butterfly just then were singing. It was like they could see this magic unfolding on my hand. And I started to think differently about that butterfly. It was not tricked. It wasn't hoodwinked. It was unlucky that so many factors in the weather had stacked up against it. But really, it was so lucky. It was getting to see this world, this time, that no other butterflies got to see. And I thought, I need to get my camera out of my bag and take a picture, somehow. But that's when the butterfly leapt from my fingers and flew away. And I wanted to pull it back. I wanted to recapture that little flake of tree bark with stardust and keep it safe from nightfall that would freeze, safe from winter that was coming. I didn't know at the time that the average butterfly only lives eight or nine months. Could that butterfly make it till now? Could it make it to August? I don't know. But I do know that the most beautiful, magical things in this world don't last forever. That they are fleeting makes them all the more miraculous. And I know I will find magic again. Thank you. Thanks, Jenny, for telling that story. To hear more stories like this one, subscribe to the Raven Narratives podcast on iTunes, on SoundCloud, or Stitcher, where you can also leave comments and share these stories with your friends. And to find out what the themes will be at upcoming events and to pitch your story for a future Raven Narratives live storytelling event, go to our website at ravennarratives.org, check out the events page, and then fill out the form on the contact page to pitch your story. The Raven Narratives also offers group and one-on-one storytelling services to support organizations and businesses. More on those services is also on our website. You can also see a photo gallery of our storytellers there, taken by the incredible McCarson Lee of Red Scarf Shots Photography. Find out more about her photography services for shooting your portraits or special events at redscarfshots.com. Our theme music was written, composed, and performed by Jazar. And you can find out more about his music on SoundCloud or at freemusicarchive.org.
for our take. <laughs> <clears throat> Here's Jenny's story. No. <laughs> oh no. Okay. Quick drink. Because this is wow. going to work. <laughs> this is like totally like the finish line. I can see the finish line and it keeps moving farther like away. Even, even like like my my the front of my fingertips are like almost there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the finish line seems okay. so close. Okay. It's like when you're climbing a mountain and you think you're at the top and then you look over and you're like, shit, it's still higher. 17,000 feet. Okay. 